Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Okay, okay, okay. So that's what it feels like. Those poor suckers. I hope you keep that going. Um, yeah, so good to be with you today. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I really wrestled with what I would say this morning. To be honest, I kind of felt this absurd pressure to perform, like to create some epic, memorable message that would go down in history that you would carry with you for the next 20 years, like you've done that with every one of my other sermons, right? Um, and, and, and to be honest, I, I, just, I, I, I just don't have the emotional energy to do that. I, I've just had such a great time connecting with so many of you uh, over the past couple weeks. And I look forward to the week ahead as well, uh, being able to say goodbye. Or not goodbye, but even like, so long, see you soon. Um, so I don't really have the emotional energy to do that. So I hope you'll forgive me for that. Uh, second, I, I have no intention of finishing the Roman series. If you're wondering, there are two chapters left in the book of Romans. Uh, I encourage you to flip there, read them for yourself. Um, and if you need help, find a good commentary. Stay away from Google. Okay. Um, but then I thought, you know, maybe this is that one chance, like that one chance to say the things that I always wanted to say but was too shy to say. You know, I could talk about Trump or Trudeau or QAnon, or progressive uh, politics, masking vaccinations, and of course, let me not forget, dog owners, right? And don't get me started about plastic straws. I mean, do you have any idea how many turtles have died in the North Saskatchewan River because of plastic straws? You monsters! I jest, I jest, okay. Um, Instead, I'm simply going to speak from my heart this morning. And I'm hoping to take us back to the beginning, to the genesis of Crosspoint. And I want to invite you this morning to remember and to reimagine who we are. And to do that, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, i uh, get you to turn there. If you have a digital version, do that as well. We are going to have it on the screen. Um, but we're going to be starting there in verse 5. And, and what we're going to be reading today is, is a letter from the Apostle Paul that was written to a church in the city of Corinth 2,000 years ago. And it was a church that he had planted. And it was a church that he was very concerned about. As a matter of fact, he wrote several letters to this church. He was so concerned about how this church was doing. So it was a church that he had planted, but it was also a church with problems. And Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth to just kind of help them sort some stuff out, that they might grow, that that they might become better. So... Uh, I hope you'll follow along as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Here's what Paul writes. He says, What, after all, is Apollos? And, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we, we are God's co-workers. 
in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. And by the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one, each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Yet, will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. This is the word of our Lord. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for this great gift. We thank you for your word that, that inspires us, that encourages us, that challenges us, that provokes us to action. And we pray, Lord, that your word would, would, would set a fire in our hearts today. We pray that your word would make us better, to make us more like you. So we pray for your Holy Spirit's activity in our presence together as your word is studied and thought through and shared. We give you thanks now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, so church in Corinth, long list of problems, which is why Paul wrote them this lengthy letter, it's like 16 chapters, and he wants to help them grow and he wants to help them become better. And, and in these verses that we've read this morning, Paul, Paul is addressing a very particular problem. And it's the particular problem of spiritual pride. See, the, the church in Corinth was, was competitive. Like, it was competitive in the worst kind of way. Like, competition's good, but this is like competition, competition on, on, like, steroids. These, the people in the church would, would, would almost do anything to kind of one-up the next person within their own church. So they, 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 would, they would do what they could to demonstrate just how much more they were than the next guy. So they would say, well, I'm more spiritual, or I'm more free in Christ, or I have more spiritual gifts. Anything they could to put themselves ahead of, of somebody else. But Paul takes all of this, and, and, and he shows them a better way. Um, and in this particular text, one of the things that they were using to kind of one-up themselves above the, the, the next guy was what I would call leadership association. So they were kind of like, the people in the church were kind of like present-day celebrity pastor groupies, if I could use that illustration. They would hitch their wagon to a particular type of leader, and by hitching their wagon to that particular type of leader, it would make them seem more spiritual. So it's like they took all of the spiritual leaders in their midst and they made playing cards out of them. And they were selecting their playing cards and they were trading their playing cards and they were showing how great they were because they followed this particular leader. So some would say, I follow Paul. Some would say, I follow Apollos. Some would say, I follow Cephas or Peter. And then if you wanted to seem really spiritual, you'd say, oh yeah, well, I follow Jesus, right? So they were all using these leaders as a way of propping up their own, well, their own spirituality. But Paul turns all of this on his head. And in the text today, as we read it, it's, it's really clear that he, he explains, listen, no, no, no leader on the planet is worth as much praise as Jesus Christ. After all, what is a leader? A leader is just somebody doing a job. And Paul says, listen, I planted the church in Corinth, and then after me, another leader came along. His name was Apollos, and he was a tremendous, incredible teacher, and he continued to water the church so that it continued to grow. And they did a good thing. 
We cannot deny that. They did what God called them to do. They were cultivators. They were gardeners of the church. But there is one thing, Paul says, that they cannot take credit for. Growth. Life itself. You see, Paul says, only God can make things grow. Not apostles, not teachers, not evangelists, not celebrity pastors, not heroes of the faith. Only God himself has the power to bring dead things back to life. Only God has the power to create spiritual rebirth, transformation of the human heart. And so Paul says, turn your worship, turn your affection, turn your thanksgiving to God, because only God makes things grow. No matter how hard you labor, you can do all the watering you want in the world, you can plant as many seeds as you want, you can do all of the tilling and all of the weeding, no matter how hard you work, if God doesn't make it grow, you're just playing in the dirt. And of course, Paul then goes on, he says, you know what, also keep in mind, how you do this matters, like how you labor matters. He goes on to say that God's people are, are like a building. You know, so this building isn't God's people, but we're kind of like a building. And when you build something, you need to build carefully. You need to build it well. Listen, in the last little while, we've purchased a house. Um, we purchased a house in Moose Jaw. Um, we got through like a crazy bidding war, and we purchased it in one day. I mean, we did a whirlwind tour of Moose Jaw. That's not saying much. It's a small city. Um, but whirlwind tour of Moose Jaw, checking out houses. And the biggest thing that was most important to us is how is this thing built? Like, I don't care if it has a fancy sink. I don't care if, it, if it's got a nice, you know, lawn. How is it built? What's the foundation like? What's, what's the roof like? What's the furnace like? All of these things are really, really important. What you build with matters. How you build matters. And Paul says, you have to be careful what you build with. So, so you can build with precious commodities, great products that will last, or you can build with puff pieces and cheap goods that will not last. It's your choice. If it lasts, you will be rewarded. But if it burns up, you have nothing. You've got nothing. Just you and your singed eyebrows. So be careful, Paul says. Be careful how you build and be careful what you build with. So what does this mean for us? Well, Paul is saying that each and every one of us are stewards of the church. Now, what's a steward, right? Well, how many of you know that there's a difference between a steward and an owner, right? The owner is the person who owns something, but the steward is somebody who takes care of it on behalf of the owner. And ultimately, the steward is held accountable for how they cared for what they were stewarding. So a steward is entrusted with something that belongs to somebody else. We have all been entrusted with the task of building up the church. Did you know that? Not just me, not just Micah, not just the elders. Each and every one of us, you are a gardener. You are a builder. And how you choose to cultivate and how you choose to build will be tested with fire when you see Jesus face to face. So be careful how you build. Now, we live in a day when it's become very popular to, to deconstruct the church. I mean, we're, we're in an age of deconstruction where every institution is being 
uh, deconstructed. It's very much in vogue. It's very stylish. It's very trendy. Just look on social media. Um, it's a good way to get noticed. It's a good way to, um, you know, make yourself, uh, put yourself out there. And, and, and rightly so. I mean, we, we, need to, we need to look at ourselves critically all the time. Um, I don't think we've ever stopped doing that as a church. Um, and we look, need to look at every institution that's out there critically. Um, and, and so that's not a bad thing to do that. I mean, I, I do it all the time. I, I self-obsess sometimes. But God hasn't given up on the church. In fact, God loves the church. God is for the church. With all of its blemishes and warts, beauty marks and dimples. Jesus loves the church. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 5 says that the church is the bride of Christ. He loves her. And it says that he feeds her and he, he cares for her. And he's transforming her. So the church hasn't arrived. The church will probably will never arrive until Jesus comes back. But he's transforming her to become a radiant bride without blemish, spot, or wrinkle. So God has not finished with the church. She's a work in progress. And, and, and for those whose, whose knee-jerk reaction would be to just simply abandon the church because they see its problems, I would ask you the question, how were you gardening? How were you building? Be, because the church is not some remote, distant institution that's out there. If I read the text carefully, the church is you, and the church is me. And we all are stewards of the church. So Paul would say, how are you building how are you gardening? Do it well. Now, I, I have had the distinct honor and privilege of planting and watering Crosspoint. I became the full-time church planter of Crosspoint on June 1st, 2010, which is ironic because on May 31st, 2022, I'll be done. So that's exactly 12 years from start to finish that I've been given this stewardship of, of Crosspoint Church. Uh, we were planted, if those of you don't know, out of Beulah Alliance Church, where I served as the executive pastor, and a number of churches came together to help us get started. And Crosspoint eventually launched in the fall of 2010. Uh, we started with five weeks of gatherings, um, non-public gatherings, just kind of test pilot gatherings to kind of get the wrinkles out. And then we had our public gatherings after Thanksgiving in 2010. And if you do the math... Um, that was probably one of the, the worst strategies uh, for planting a church you can imagine because I started in June and I launched in September. That's a three-month runway. Most church plants are given about a year to, to get a runway going. But, you know, everyone was in a hurry. And if you talk to Karen, I'm, I tend to be in a hurry. So, um, yeah, we launched it in three months over the summer. So we're recruiting people, trying to find resources to plant a church in the fall in the summer months in Edmonton, where, as you know, camping seems to be a big deal. So anyway, at, by God's grace, we got this thing off the ground. But before Crosspoint launched, um, I prayed and I dreamed about what kind of a church we would become. Like, God, who, 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 how am I uniquely wired? What is the, what is the vision that you put in my heart? And, and, and what kind of a church do you want us to be? How would I cultivate this garden? What materials would go into the building of this new, fresh community? And what eventually merged out of that time of, of prayer and of dreaming were Crosspoint's seven values. We, we, we began with seven values, which would serve as a kind of a guide, kind of a blueprint of how we would build over the years. 
And uh, if you've been around for a while, you may have heard these seven values before. If you knew, you may not have. But they have actually served their purpose over the last seven years. And my hope and my prayer has been that, that we would become what we dreamed we would become. And, and I believe that God, by his grace, has brought us safely thus far. He's actually caused these things to come about. So what I want to do this morning, for the rest of our time this morning, is, is I want to just talk about these values. And, and I want to review them with you very quickly this morning. And I want to help us to remember them, and perhaps to even reimagine them. And I hope that uh, you understand how they are the building blocks of our community. So I hope you'll remember them, and that's actually what I've called this message, is I hope you'll remember. So our first value was to be gospel-centered. And, and my hope is, is that when God moves me beyond here, is that you will remember to live in the gospel. The gospel is the good news. And I think we could say that with a smile. The gospel is the good news. That through Christ Jesus, God is restoring all things. And that includes both you and me. Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, gave his life on the cross for the whole world. He paid for all the broken, foolish, and sinful things that we have done, that we will ever do. And then he rose again, demonstrating his victory over sin, over death, and all the forces of evil. He then ascended into heaven where he sits at the Father's right hand, and he will come again. And when he comes again, he will fix everything. He will bring justice. He will bring peace. He will bring a new heaven and a new earth, and we will dwell with him forever. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel we proclaim. This is the gospel we have proclaimed for 12 years. I can say it with a smile. This is good news. And when we surrender our lives in faith to Christ, we cross over from death to life. We can begin again. We can experience his abundant eternal life. We can know him. We can love him. We can worship him. We can be used by him. Our life has purpose. Our life has joy. Our life has hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ is something that we live in every day. It's not just for people who are far from God. It's not just something you'd find on a chick track so that people can say their sinner's prayer and come to Jesus. The gospel is what we live in. It is not the ABCs of the Christian faith. It is the A to Z of the Christian faith. And when we live in the gospel, we admit to ourselves every single day, I cannot earn God's favor. I cannot buy it. I cannot barter it. Instead, every single day, as I live in the gospel, I approach God in faith, and I see Jesus welcome me through the cross. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you have ever done to make God you, love you less. This is the gospel that we proclaim. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the foundation of Cross Point Church. And I hope that I have faithfully preached this gospel because it was my hope that we would become a gospel-soaked community so that when we are squeezed by the trials and the tribulations of this world, what emerges out of us is the gospel. You know, COVID was a real pressure cooker for our community, for so many faith communities, and we were squeezed. Our love for one another was challenged. Our love for others was challenged. But cross point, it gives me great pride to say, you lived out the gospel. You, you loved people who don't think like you. You practiced grace and forgiveness and welcome. I see Jesus in you. The gospel was incarnate. 
I hope you remember to live in the gospel. Here's a second value, transformation. I hope you remember to live in love like Jesus. You know, Jesus called us out of darkness so that we would shine. So Jesus not only saves us from the penalty of sin, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, also saves us from the power of sin. And so he is transforming us every single day to become more and more like him. Do you know that Jesus calls you to discipleship? Each and every one of us. Discipleship is not just for those those serious Christians, right? So it's not an upgrade. It's not advanced citizenship in the kingdom of God. It's a call from Jesus to every single person who would believe in him. So every believer is a disciple. Every disciple is a believer. If you want to go on a theological roller coaster so I can show this to you from the book of Acts, I would love to do that. Come see me after. But the question that Jesus asks us this morning is, are you growing as a disciple? Is Jesus your master? Are you becoming more and more like him every day? You see, Jesus didn't come just to give us fire insurance. Jesus came to radically reorient our lives, to change us from the inside out, to make us more and more like him so that we live like him and we love like him. You know, discipleship, of course, is a big deal in our church family. I mean, every fall we do a five-week series about discipleship. We take it so seriously that, that we worked really hard to clarify what do we mean by a disciple, which is how our five marks of a disciple kind of emerged. So a disciple is someone who's marked with growth, community, pursuit, service, and, and mission. And, and one of the things, one of the, one of the marks that, uh, that most exemplifies a disciple's life is this, this rite of baptism. Um, it's in baptism that we demonstrate our identity with Christ. In baptism, we, we, we show that we've died to our old ways of life, and we have risen with Christ into newness of life. That's really what baptism symbolizes, right? So uh, we have had uh, just the express privilege of baptizing over 100 people in, at Crosspoint, you know, in our, in our past 12 years together. Uh, I don't even know the numbers right now, and, and I'm not going to look them up. Micah can look them up. Um, Thanks, Micah. Um, you know, when, when we were a portable church, like, because we, we, we had to set up teardown every week, we had to kind of find creative ways to do baptisms together as a church. Um, and for the first four or five years, what we did is we rented a hot tub. And I don't know what it was. Everybody, I always took flack for this, but I always managed to book baptisms on like the coldest days of the year, okay? It was awful. Um, and... So anyone here have a hot tub baptism from Crosspoint? Anyone, anyone around? Okay, yeah, oh, good, good. Okay, yeah, good, good. Some of you are here. Um, yeah, I remember on one particular Sunday, uh, the, the, the driver of the, of the baptism tank got, got stuck. He actually drove his truck into the ditch with the hot tub, and we were supposed to have this baptism. And it was like minus, I think it was minus 34 or minus 36 out. So, so like we decided, well, what are we going to do? So we, we actually went to somebody's backyard and use their hot tub. So after the gathering, everyone drove. Like, you've got to be a serious, serious disciple of Jesus if you're willing to drive after a gathering to somebody else's house to get baptized in minus 34 degree weather. And when you come up out of the water, your shirt instantly freezes, and so does your hair. Like, like I remember that Sunday. It was an incredible time. But like a dozen people uh, were baptized on, on that Sunday morning. The reason why we take discipleship seriously is because Jesus takes discipleship seriously. And so I hope that you remember to live and to love like Jesus. Third, externally focused. I hope you remember to embrace your sentness. We are a sent people, the people of God. 
And we follow our God, who is both sent and sender. The Father sent the Son. The Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. And now the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sends the church out on mission in the world. We are a sent people. The church is a people sent by God into his redemptive mission to save the world. We are God's instruments to save the world. There is no plan B. There is only us. And God sends us to demonstrate and to declare his gospel to a lost world that desperately needs him. And this has been part of our core DNA since the beginning. We, we've endeavored to be what's called a missional church, a church that's on mission. It's not about how many people we can attract to get into the building. It's about how many followers of Jesus we can extract to be in the world. It's not about getting people here. It's about getting the church out there. That's been our DNA since the beginning. And some of you can remember all the things like Hogs for Hope. Some of you may remember. North Edmonton Community Summer Festival. Some of you came to Jesus through our Alpha courses that we hosted in community leagues because we didn't own a building. Many of you hosted block parties using the portable party pack. Good times because you wanted to love and serve your neighbors. Kids Capers is celebrating its 10th year this year. And of course, don't forget our partnership with FFI and, and now with Pioneers. And, and, and we've helped hold the Beverly Cleanup for three years now. And now Eating Ministries is just entering into our lives. You know, what I love about this community is that I no longer have to keep the mission central. It's in your blood. It's in your DNA. As a matter of fact, you push me. Like when we moved into this building, it's like I, I kind of tell you how many people came up and said, okay, we're here in the building. What are we going to do in the community? Right? How are we going to demonstrate the gospel? How are we going to declare the gospel? I love that about the, uh, our church community. But Crosspoint, let me say this to you and, and pay attention to this. Please, please. Keep the mission of Jesus central. Don't stop. Don't hold back. Because if you lose the mission, you lose the plot. And then you've written the last chapter of your story. Before long, you'll be shutting your doors like the back cover of a book. You are the people of God, called by God, into his redemptive mission to save the world. So be who you are. I hope you remember that. All right, next one. Let's bring up the next slide. can't remember. Did it come up? Ah, oh, okay. Thank you. Culturally oriented. I hope you remember to translate the gospel. You know, the gospel must speak to the issues and challenges of our world. It must be contextualized. It must be translated. It is never declared in a vacuum. The gospel is always declared in a culture. And to do that, you need to understand the culture that you live in. So live in the culture. Listen to what God is doing in the culture. So please, 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 don't bubble wrap yourself in a Christian fortress that's safe and fun for the whole family. Leave your Christian cul-de-sacs. Make friends with your neighbors and co-workers and people who don't look like you and people who don't talk like you and people who don't believe the same things that you believe. Now, this does not mean that we will compromise or capitulate to culture. The world will change. Our message does not change. But if we are going to translate the gospel to a changing world, we need to meet people where they're at. You know, the Apostle Paul said it best. He says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, 
I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. And of course, Paul modeled this. I mean, if you read Acts chapter 17 and Paul's address to the Athenian philosophers on Mars Hill, he translated the gospel in a way that the culture in that day would understand it. And this is why over the years, we have not hesitated to engage in cultural conversations. We've had a lot of conversations about sex, a lot of conversations about sex, uh, consumerism, arguments against God, self-identity, power deconstruction, postmodernism, systemic oppression, to name a few. It's important that we do that. We've made room. We've made room here for people to wrestle and for people to doubt. We've encouraged you as followers of Jesus to not check your brains at the door, to look at the evidence, to step out of your algorithms, and to step into reason. Crosspoint, I hope that you'll continue to translate the gospel. Okay, the next slide. I don't know how that got in there. Um, sorry, that was number eight of the values that didn't make the cut. Uh, seven is kind of a magical number in Christendom, so I had to get rid of one. Karen encouraged me to get rid of this one. Um, but I did say, well, isn't Jesus like the rider on the horse when he comes back? So isn't that kind of like a Christian value? Should be. Think about it. Pray about it. All right. Next one. Multi-ethnic. I hope you remember to welcome people who don't look like you. We believe that the church is a beautiful, and I stress the word beautiful, kaleidoscope of people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. And God's heart is for the nations. You know, if you read the book of Revelation, chapter 7, it describes a scene from heaven, and it says this, every nation from all tribes and people and languages are standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches. They're still the nations. They still keep their unique, special ethnic identity. But they stand together before the throne of God. And through Jesus, we are all brought together into a new humanity. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, no matter what your race is, your ethnicity, or your nationality, we are given a new identity together in Christ Jesus. And Paul writes about this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. He says, here, what's he talking about here? Here in the body of Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all, and he is in all. In Christ, we are one people. We are one family. We are one kingdom. And this new identity supersedes all of our other identities. And, and, and we have believed this to our core. I, I know I have. And so over the years, I, I've, I've taken steps to, to change the attitudes of others, to empower diverse leadership, to celebrate ethnic diversity. And you might have not noticed this, but maybe you have. But this has been a recurring theme in my preaching. And some of you maybe think I'm preaching it too much, but listen, I make no apologies for this. And it's because of this. Diversity is not easy, but costly. There's a cost to Diversity. It is easy to surround ourselves with people who look like us, who talk like us, who like the same kinds of food as us. Diversity takes work. It involves risk. But diversity is what God wants because God himself is diversity. God is a three-in-one God. He is diversity within unity. And when we live together in unity and yet still maintain our diversity and honor it and celebrate it, we reflect the image of God to the world. That's what we want. 
You know, at Crosspoint Launch, we, there were just over 100 of us. Most of us were Caucasian. We were a pretty vanilla bunch at the time. But we prayed and we hoped that our church would reflect the beautiful and rich diversity of the neighborhoods around us in Northeast Edmonton. And since then, we have just become increasingly diverse with brothers and sisters from the Congo, from Sudan, from Mexico, from Ethiopia, from China, from Korea, from the Philippines, from Trinidad, from Vietnam, from Sri Lanka, many Anglo-European nations, including Ukraine and Russia. We also have First Nations people. We have an African-American elder, Brother Dave, give it up. <laughs> and I am a proud Métis man who cannot dance a jig. Prove it. All right, here we go. <laughs> That's called an argument from silence, if you're wondering. Okay. But this is only just the beginning, and there is so much more to be done. So I hope you remember to welcome those who don't look like you, to practice hospitality, and to celebrate and honor each other's stories. Next one, reproducing. I hope you remember. Yeah, you guys are pretty good at that, but that's not what I'm talking about. And a whole lot of babies going on. And I'm sad I don't get to dedicate the other little gooshies that are around here. Um, but I hope you remember to multiply everything. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. A tiny seed. The mustard seed was like the smallest seed in the garden in that day. And yet when it was planted, it grew up to be the largest plant in the garden. God's kingdom was meant to grow. It was meant to expand. It was meant to multiply it cannot be restrained when properly done. And because of that, Crosspoint has been committed to multiplication. We have wanted to multiply everything. We want to multiply disciples. We want to multiply small groups, multiply leaders, multiply artists, and ultimately to multiply churches. This is why we, we have spent so much energy on focusing on young emerging leaders. It's because of our multiplying vision. We are a multi-generational church, and that is so amazing but we're also intentionally growing young. We want to give the keys to the kingdom to our emerging generation so that they can use their gifts and grow as leaders because we are always one generation away from extinction. And so we must give the keys to the kingdom to the emerging generation so that they can flourish and watch it grow. And so a lot of young leaders got their start at Crosspoint. Some of you remember Ali, Andy, Colin, Keith, Graham, Rebecca, Micah, Delaney, Amanda, and I could go on for those who've served on our teams. The work of pastors isn't to do the ministry. It is to equip and prepare the body of Christ to do ministry, to multiply the church. The church was made to multiply. I, I hope you remember that. And finally, God-dependent. I hope you remember that you cannot do this without God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's the vine, we are the branches. And it's in him we live and we move and we have our being. You know, you cannot live on mission without God. It's too hard. You cannot live a transformed life without God. Everything inside of you wants to push against that. You cannot love people who don't look like you without God. 
Because you want to take the easy way. Life is hard. The way of Jesus is hard. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light if we allow him to shoulder the load with us. Which is why we must learn to pray. To call out to God in good times, in bad times. Prayer for us, it must be like oxygen. It's the life-giving air that we breathe. That is what prayer is for the people of God. Crosspoint was birthed in prayer. Crosspoint exists only because of prayer. Every step of the way, we have sought God, and he has been so faithful in answering us. I don't know if some of you remember, uh, for those of you who are here, but in the first few months that we planted Crosspoint, we lost our building. We were a portable church. We were rent, renting the North Edmonton uh, Senior Center there, the Northgate Lions, and they had a record snowfall over two days, and the building collapsed under this weight of snow. So it's like, Suddenly it's Tuesday, I'm in the office, and I get a phone call. It's like, oh yeah, we lost our building. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, fortunately, we weren't in there. Um, it was a senior's choir. Um, <laughs> true story. Uh, but they saw the building shaking, and they got out. You know, they just kind of got out. And then, boom, down it came. Everybody was okay. It was fine. But we lost the building for like a year and a half. And what, so what do we do? Well, what can we do? We pray. And God provided and we ended up at a junior high school for a year and a half. And then once that building was repaired and put together, we went back and we got to go back. God has shown his faithfulness to our prayers throughout the years. He's provided the 100 people to launch Crosspoint Church in the beginning. He provided leaders as we needed them, the Lord of the Harvest. He provided our trailer, our equipment boxes, our funding. He opened hearts to respond to the gospel. You know, there were times, and, and most of you don't know this, but there were times where I was just overcome with fear and anxiety because I didn't know if we could keep our staff, that we, had the, we didn't have the funds. And uh, God provided every single time, sometimes in just amazing, miraculous ways. And we've never, ever had to let a staff member go because of a lack of funding. Listen, when you first start plant a church, it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't have that stability yet. But God knew, and God provided we could not have done any of this apart from God. And let me tell you, you cannot do any more without God. Depend on him. Pray. I hope you remember that. Crosspoint, it has been my express joy to serve alongside of you over these last 12 years. Um, it's been one of my life's greatest works. Um, and, and, and I will always consider our time together with pride and with, with great fondness. Um, I'm not going to say much more because there's one more week. So next week you're going to hear me uh, say more. So I'm, I'm going to hold back on that. But I, in case you're not here next week, I do want you to know that every Sunday when I say we love you, God loves you more, I truly mean that. I truly mean that. And I celebrate your story and I celebrate your journey with God and I celebrate our journey together. And uh, it doesn't have to end, I mean, obviously. Um, but I, that's all I'll say for now. Because next week, I guess there's a party, and we can talk about it. But I hope you remember, I hope you remember that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And I hope you remember these values, and I hope you remember to continue to live in them. We are all God's builders. We are all God's cultivators of his garden. So be who you are. Let's pray.
I'll invite the band. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. And so God, as we just close today and as we celebrate, it is our heart's cry, God, that you would um, that you would give us everything we need for life, for godliness, for ministry. God, there are some here today who, who have just their own personal needs, maybe health needs. God, they maybe have just secret sorrows or secret sins. God, would they just call out to you right now and say, God, I need you. Oh, God, would you draw near? Thank you that your face is turned towards us in our need. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the head of the church. She is yours, and we are your stewards, and that is the best place to be. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.